Welcome back to the Women in Writing podcast. Also this week, I have a super interesting guest. Her name is Jenny Daniel, and she has a lot to say about writing in terms of learning without ever earning. Hi, Jenny. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very good. Thank you, too. Someone is waving at you. Hi, lovely. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're on the podcast. Do you just want to introduce yourself quickly? Yeah, sure. So I'm Jenny Daniel. I'm an academic. I'm also starting as a coach and I write theatre reviews as well. Yeah, but not in a monetized way. So that's why I'm dealing with Christina. So, <laughs> so that I can learn how to become monetized. That's my aim. That's so interesting. So you said you're becoming a coach as well? Yeah, yeah, we didn't talk about that, did we? No, so um, like life coaching, I did a life coaching course, just a, a short one, um, and I, I had some sort of practice clients, um, and I just need to get my assessment paperwork done for That's yeah. amazing, congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah, I think with like being a coach myself, I think the coaching industry is really, obviously like it's growing like crazy, and I think that's nowadays where people get educated, right? Because universities, and we will talk about that later too, is great in a way, but also like it's a little bit slower and sometimes yeah. um, it's not really applicable to normal life, I would say. <laughs> I'm not sure if you agree, you can disagree. Yeah, well. I think in terms of being an academic and working at a university, yeah, absolutely. I think we hope that we replicate a normal life for the, for the undergraduates. But yeah, when you get on the other side of it, it does the, the pace of, when we're talking about publications, things like that, it does slow down considerably, yeah. And I did my Masters of Business Administration program in the UK and now my doctorate program. And I think it's it really teaches you like strategic thinking, critical thinking and all of that. That's amazing. But especially life coaching, I think it's so important nowadays because you have two children, you have a career yeah. and you try to figure it out. And it's just as great as it is it's a lot of pressure sometimes too yeah absolutely yeah and I think for me I I just feel like there's two complementary things potentially going on that I've got this career in universities teaching um, and researching but also like the life coaching side of it it's a little bit more tangible it's a little bit more kind of real which is interesting because you don't have to cite your sources and you don't have to say where the ideas came from but it's more intuitive and more you feel your way I think so I like having both sides, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So what are you teaching at university? So currently I teach musical theatre. So I've trained as a musician, but I, I currently teach um, music in the theatre, basically, um, to people who want to sing and dance and tap and act and do all that stuff on stage. So I teach them sort of academic stuff and also singing and presentation, that kind of thing as well. But a lot of writing, actually, a lot of academic writing, trying to mould them into the into the academic writing side of things it sounds like it's really like the creative process right yeah absolutely yeah. writing even though it's academic writing and that's what I do since years and years in supporting students with their academic writing as well I think it can be still it's so creative because if we would have the same research questions and we would have 10 students that write about the same topic it would still be like such a different outcome right 
Absolutely, yeah. And I think if uh, there's something about giving them open-ended questions, actually, where they can put themselves into it and you can find out stuff that maybe you didn't know. People from different backgrounds can bring their own cultural stuff in and, and give you like th- things that you didn't actually anticipate to answer the question. I think that's, yeah, that's really cool, actually. That's really cool. Yeah. Did you have any problems with AI yet? Like students using AI or misusing AI? Yeah, a little bit. So it's a funny one, that, because... We're trying not to ban it because obviously it can be quite useful as a tool, but then obviously we don't want them to be like, obviously traditionally you're not allowed to plagiarize, you're not allowed to do that kind of thing. So obviously you don't want them to just write me an essay and off you go. But I think we're getting pretty good at spotting where they might have done that. So yeah, to have those conversations and get them to explain how they might use it. Um, Quite often with the, especially with the younger ones, it's or the less experienced ones, they don't realise what they're allowed or not allowed to do. But of course, it's not clear anymore because we've suddenly got this tool, haven't we? So it, it can be a bit unclear as to what's allowed and what's not. Yeah, exactly. all that stuff. Where's, where's the line almost? And I think with writing too, being a freelance writer since 2008, like it definitely changed the game. But if you work for, that's what I'm focusing on, teaching especially women how to go into the high paying niche, like Mm. high clients would never, ever pay for AI generated content, obviously. And they'd know, Um, wouldn't they? That's the thing. If you just press, get said, give me this and press go, it's really obvious that that's what's happened and you don't get the detail. Exactly. You get a lot of good ideas and you can do a lot of research and it can almost shed light on some blind spots that you Mm. didn't think about but I think it makes so much sense to use it but not misuse it like you said like where's the line drawing a clear line yeah and I think there's some education in there isn't there as to how it's processed isn't it how you start off and how you work your own process in and where you end up and there's some sort of education as to to how to do that I think it's when people don't necessarily have the confidence to translate things into their own words or, or do that then they come a cropper and end up sort of pseudo plagiarizing basically exactly yeah. yeah so let's talk about your own writing journey like when did you start was it like really early for you that you discovered yeah. writing or so I guess I was a big reader even at primary school in fact, before I went to primary school, my mum told me she had books that she would get me to read and stuff. So I was always really keen. I think from that, I turned into a writer really quickly. And I used to like writing poetry. And I used to write, I like to write about other art forms. So I like to analyse books or, or write about, there was, I remember, I even remember now there was, a, we had a ballet workshop when I was at primary school and I wrote a poem about the ballet workshop. And that, that was really, I even remember the poem. <laughs> I won't tell you because I was like seven. But yeah, but I even remember the poem that I wrote and it went into a, a kiddie's newspaper or whatever. But yeah, and, and people used to always say, oh, you're really good at that. Um, you could be a poet. Well, obviously nobody's a poet in a sort of monetized sense or not many people anyway. And when did you really start writing then, like later in life? And obviously like when you studied, like you did your academic writing, right? Yeah. What is your degree in? Music music so I think yeah I just didn't stop really I when you get your English homework at high school I just used to sit and write pages and stay up till 10 o'clock just writing excessive essays I would say because I just enjoyed doing it so much and then yeah and I used to as I say I used to write to write about other art forms I did a degree in music but I was a musicologist more than a performer really I just used to like to analyze and write about music and what it did for people and what it how it's put together and all that kind of thing and performance and be quite analytical about that and a large part of that 
work is in the writing, I think, because you're trying to capture something that quite often isn't linguistic in language. And I found that quite... So I guess I always liked writing about music because you're trying to put into words something that isn't originally in words. So that was my journey. And then I became a school teacher. Um, and then, of course, I'm looking at other people's writing all the time. And then I became a university lecturer via being... I was briefly a librarian as well, actually, while I was studying... It's that that threads run through, but as I say, I've never really managed, or I think it's only just now that I'm considering having been on my own with two children now and thinking about how can I create some other income stream. I think I've got this gift, I've got this kind of thing that I've always been able to do. Um, And I think I was just saying to you before that quite often when we find something natural, we think everyone can do it. We just think, oh yeah, it's like speaking, like everyone can do that. Exactly. and as I, I was saying that, as a, as I chose to do music, I chose to become a musician and I wasn't really a supernatural musician, but that was the thing that I had to work at. And I felt that achievement because if I worked, I achieved. Whereas with writing, I just always found it like, yeah, I can just do it. So I guess I never really thought to monetize it in any way, but it always it was always a part of what I was doing in other ways. So I guess that's where I'm up to now is thinking about what can I do with it? How can I use these skills to create some other income stream and get past that that psychological money block as well, that it's okay to do that. It's fine. It's fine to want to do. And that's what a lot of writers say, because they, especially as women, it's almost like a lot of people, like if you can write, like a lot of people expect that you can just write for them, like without charging anything. And you will tell us more about like the writing that you did that you put a lot of work in, but you never really got paid. Mm. So go go ahead and share with us a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so I guess academically, yeah, I, I, the story of the five-year article. So I was asked to write a chapter in a book for, it was about opera, actually, after a conference. And I'd given this paper and, and they were putting a book together. So could you, could you include that? I said, absolutely. Um, and, I, and then quite shortly after that, I discovered I was pregnant. And I said to the editor, I said, oh, gosh, I hope it doesn't like cause a problem because I'm pregnant and I'm due to be giving birth at this point. And the line, he said, oh, no, it, it'll be OK. I'm sure it'll, it won't move that quick. And I was thinking, oh, OK, because I was like about three months in. So I was thinking six months ahead, I'm going to be having a baby. That's why I wanted to tell him. And he was like, don't even worry about it. So I was like, okay. The child was in school by the time that chapter came out. So yeah, it was like five, six years maybe, yeah, between actually having that agreement and actually the thing being in print. Yeah, that's how long it takes. And there's another one that I've currently got in with a journal that's been sitting there for seven months now. And I recently wrote to the editor and I said, oh, are you going to peer review this article that I've sent you? And she said, oh, yes, it is taking a rather long time. One person's read it, but I just need to find somebody else to read it. And it's still awaiting enough people to read it to say that it's peer reviewed, i.e. two, I think. Yeah. And I think I've got to I've got to get back to her quite soon. And she said, oh, tell me if it's if you've not heard anything in the next couple of weeks, which I haven't. I'll have to do that. But again, it's there are things dependent on that, having that publication at work that are just sitting and waiting and but it's totally beyond my control. I think that's the interesting thing is that you, in the academic world, they say publish, publish, and you write something, you send it off, and then that's you then. You just got to wait then, see what people say, see if people like it, see if people read it, see if whatever happens or not for months and years. So it's you just got in a bit of a waiting game and it's totally out of your control. And I think I'm frustrated with that as well, that 
I do like to write. I do want to publish, but in in that world, not only is it not monetized, but it's not timely either. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, what did you write about? Like, what are the journals about? So the one that's currently in is about. It's to do with. Oh, it's a little bit boring. It's a bit bit educational, but it's it's to do with when we were in lockdown. And the students creating theatre pieces together. So they did these group theatre pieces as a sort of, it's like a mock-up of professional practice, like a little theatre company would put together a piece. And then we have to market. And what became apparent in lockdown was that they started to use technology and they started to use cinematography and they started to do digital theatre. And we hadn't really accounted for that in the mark scheme. So it's basically an analysis of how you when everything is supposed to be accounted for in advance and you've got to have these outcomes and you mark to them, what happens if the world suddenly goes mad and everything changes? And what happens therefore if people are like just super creative and they do things that you didn't anticipate when you're in a creative art form, how do you then account for that in your marking when you've set out your scheme earlier on? So it's all a sort of philosophical debate about that really. And also applicable, but I think when it takes so long until the journal actually is published, I feel like how relevant is it still? (laughs) There are lessons to take from it into just generally how do we mark creative practice? And I think that's the thing, because obviously we're beyond that period now. But looking back, and I was aware that it might take forever, so I have tried to make it like something that, you know, lessons will come out of it at whatever time kind of thing. But yeah, obviously it was based on what happened in lockdown and that's in the dim and distant past now. But then the other thing that I do is I write theatre reviews, which again, isn't for money. You're in a pool of people and you get really good tickets, but you don't don't get paid for it. And that is, can be like the next day. So literally you go to the theatre, you get in at midnight, write your review, and it might be up at sort of 10 o'clock the next morning, or you can take another 24 hours about it if you want to. But basically it's got to be, there's got to be a turnover in the the next day or so. And Um, so that's like a review. What's that, sorry? Where do you publish the review then? So it's called Theatre Reviews North is the website that I publish on. So it's the north of England touring theatre that comes around um, and I'd go to Manchester or Liverpool and see those shows. I think I saw, what was the last one I did? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I was in Liverpool um, that was quite good. And I'm doing The Wizard of Oz on Friday. No, a week. Yeah, on Friday. No, Friday's tomorrow. A week tomorrow. I'm going to do The Wizard of Oz. Nice. And they're both quite nice ones, quite nice, quite nice ones because I've got kids and they gave me extra tickets so that I could take the kids. That's why I do it, not for money, so I can do things like that and take the kids to the theatre for nothing, basically. Exactly. It's really exciting. But still, if you want to create a career, and like you said, like different income streams, and I think this is becoming like more and more important for a lot of women and for a lot of families that you have like more income streams, but also like flexible income streams, right? yeah that's what I'm teaching my writers as well like I told you yesterday I did a live about three ways of how to become a wealthy writer in early 2024 so just to signal to people it doesn't have to take long because obviously like you said earlier it's a lot about mindset it's a lot about like believing that you can do it and especially if you're used to writing and never get any money for it like never just getting a tap on the bag or a theater ticket and obviously in the academic world you are recognized and it's your reputation and everything but still 
money is important nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've said this, and I, I'm going to go back and watch that that recording that you did. Actually, that sounds like exactly what I need to watch. But yeah, you said it, it's to do with with being a, a mum as well, isn't it? Being being a woman, being a mum, and we live in this world now. We're actually, and since COVID, I guess we've all tapped into the internet. We've tapped into doing this kind of thing that we're doing now. And finding different ways of finding educational streams as well and ways that we can employ people, employ each other as coaches and tap into some of these courses. And think actually, yeah, as a mum, as someone who is actually tied down geographically to an extent or tied to the school run or tied to whatever, because I've got to look after these other people especially if you're on your own. I'm on my own. I know you're on your own for the next month or so. But but yeah, when you have to spend that time just doing that, and that's your responsibility, to find other ways that don't involve having to go places and be somewhere else and not have that responsibility for the children. I think, yeah, it's a really good thing. It's new, isn't it? It's a new thing that we've really tapped into recently as women, I think. Exactly, 100%. And just to recap on the three ways, so basically... I think like the first way that works for a lot of people, not for everyone, is getting signed with a high paying agency, like a professional writing agency. And there's different ones, like there are ones for like academic writing. These are the ones that pay really good money, but they also obviously have a high responsibility. So Mm -hmm. that means that if you write for someone else, that they cannot misuse the paper, like that they Mm -hmm. cannot publish the paper under their own name or whatever but for a lot of people it's just beneficial to see how you can do things and it helps them with their own research if that makes sense yeah absolutely yeah so a professional agency is one way it's basically the middleman between a paying client and yourself so you don't have to do any marketing the second way is to secure long-term contracts with there's so many flexible jobs there's flex jobs there's jobs on indeed remote jobs there's so many jobs where you can be a writer and also like different areas different categories and I would encourage everyone that just starts this journey to really try out different things there's like tons of coaches out there that say you have to be an expert in xyz like copywriting for beauty products or whatever like I always say as an example but it makes sense but if you don't know what you really want to write and a lot of writers they just enjoy having the variety and they just Mm. being creative and yeah just trying out different things like writing articles I wrote articles website content short stories I wrote research-based papers as well when I started out and I wrote some white papers etc and then Mm -hmm. it's really up to you to see like what you really like and if you look on these websites on the job websites you can secure long-term contracts like with a company that can give you, let's say I wrote, I did some research yesterday from one of my clients and they, for example, said like you get five articles every single month that you can write for them. So it's like a secured money that comes in, but then it doesn't matter when you do it. The mom, you want the flexibility and you want to be Mm -hmm. able to work late at night or early in the morning or when the kids are in school or whenever that is for you. But if it's something you enjoy, like that, it doesn't even feel like work so much. Like it feels like mm-hmm. more, obviously more enjoyable and more that you get paid for it. And that's obviously something that motivates you as well. Mm-hmm. 
And the third way would be also creating passive income writing. And like we talked earlier, it's about sometimes having different income streams. And like passive income writing basically means that you write something, publish it, but you know that you get your royalties every single month, every every year for the time to come. And how we do it, I, I have a lot of clients in my pool, so to say, that publish books, including myself. I published a book back in 2012 that was a self-published book, but I sold like three copies of it. And that's the dangerous thing that people just write something because they want to share their message. They want to be creative. And then they write something, but there's no market for it. Right audience or they don't know how to market it. And that's the other problem. So what I'm doing right now, I'm working with a digital publisher and they're in the business since I think 14 years or something. So they really know what they're doing. And I'm setting up a new course mid-January. It will start all about like passive income writing. And I write a book myself alongside with my students. So we basically reverse engineer, like we figure out first, like where's the overlap between what people are looking for in the market, where's an audience, but also what can you write? What are you passionate about? And then seeing to marry the two together. So if you publish something that it's really likely to be a bestseller. If that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That'd be good. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said before, I think like for us women, especially like when we have a story to share, it can be heartbreaking and difficult if no one wants to read it. Right. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for everything you shared. So what is like your key takeaway from the conversation? What would you say? Gosh, I think I think from having followed you and, and done your 21-day um, thing as well and the conversation today, I think just that I just need to get on with it. I mean, there are obviously ways of doing it and, and people to contact and uh, agencies to get in touch with. And, you know, if you, to find the niche, I mean, I think I've known what, I know what my niche is, but I, I almost want to broaden out a little bit from there yeah. to just think about commerciality. But just to really make a plan and, and get on with it, really, and possibly join your January course as well, because that sounds like it'll be really useful. Yeah. And I will definitely be in touch about that. So whenever I have more details, I will probably write it all up uh, this weekend, and then I can share it with you as well. Great. That sounds super. Thank you so much. So, Thank yeah. you, Christina. It was a really lovely conversation. And... It was nice having you on there. Yeah, I hope it's useful for other people as well to kind of just to, because obviously I'm not doing the wealthy writer thing yet, but just to be aware that people are also, I think I've been a bit stuck actually. And I think I just wanted to kind of put that out there and say, we get to this position where we can do things, but then we get stuck, don't we? And we just need a little shove over the line and then the world's your oyster kind of thing. A hundred percent. I had a conversation with one of, one of my students as well that, She started a couple of months ago and then she was busy over the summer and she said, oh, I thought I would be way further by now. And I said too, it's all about keep going. And this was a person, she never showed up in one of the group calls and I'm not blaming her because everyone is busy. I get that. But I think the community and other people that are like-minded 
that keep you going like that's the secret for a lot of people because if it's just you and if you have like your daily life our lives are filled with like a hundred appointments and then kids and this and that and by the time we we would have time to sit down we might be exhausted it's always about I'm talking about transition periods a lot too and if you have a transition where you can start writing and you get paid even though like you start getting paid for writing that you just might figure out like article writing or whatever it is for you and then you discover oh this is actually not for me then you still can keep going because you have money is a motivation and I always say it's not bad having that dream of becoming a quote-unquote wealthy writer because it's just a talent that you have and other people get paid a lot of money for their talent why shouldn't we as writers get paid for our yeah I think it is getting past that mindset, isn't it? And and before you even get onto that, making the connections is actually you've just got to get over yourself and go, yeah, actually, that's that's fine. I tell you what happened to me actually was that I did I did a diet. I, I was in a diet club about two years ago. I was in a diet club, and I had a coach, and I paid a subscription, had a coach, um, and there was a community. There's like an online WhatsApp group, and I went to actually turn up to the club and had like breakfast club with these people with these women. And I lost two stone in about six months. I lost two stone because I just did everything. I just, I was like the poster girl. I just did it exactly as I was told to do it. And the community was amazing. The coach was amazing. And I just thought, you know what? If I can do that, I can actually do anything. But the secret, as you say, is the community and the coach and that kind of motivation to keep going. So you get the information, but you also get that accountability with other people. And I guess this for me is like the next step going, I did the diet thing. It is possible to do anything. Therefore, get over yourself and do the next thing that you want to do, which is this really. That's amazing. And it's also really useful for you being a life coach then. Yeah. Like obviously like what you teach other people, then your future clients, someone can could argue that they could find everything on YouTube, for example, for free, but then they don't have a coach. They don't have anyone who motivates them. They don't have a community. And especially like in our like small circle, like the friends groups or the families that we're always with, if they don't really have your back and it's not a bad thing, but it was like, I had the experience myself and also for a lot of my writers, it's the same that people in their family, maybe also the older generation says, you have to get a proper job. You have to work hard. You cannot make money writing. It's just a dream, et cetera, et cetera. And if you don't have anyone else then to talk to like a community that can cheer you on and that other people are successful. Why should I not be successful? Then this is really like where the magic happens because otherwise we are almost stuck in that small mindset, right? Yeah, and the world's changing so quickly, isn't it? And we need to break the the previous generation of their world and have their mindset according to that world. But we need to go, okay, but now we're here. So what do we do? What do we do together? That's in, in the digital world, in the world that we can communicate in this new way all the possibilities are opening up so you can't really just keep looking behind you and going oh my mum and dad did it like that it, it's just you know it's a different it's a different time isn't it yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. i think it really is and it's a it's beautiful at the same time it can be scary sometimes but mm. i think yeah we have a lot of support and that's why i think a lot of times it's worth <coughs> sorry it's worth investing in ourselves just to get to the next level (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah 
yeah yeah thank you so much for that conversation no that's great that's really useful yeah I think it's really inspiring for other women as well to see that you are so successful in life but that you also write a lot but you didn't get paid for it yet yeah it's definition of success isn't it so let's try for the other definition as well yeah absolutely exactly. I mean like everyone mm. defines success and mm. we shouldn't be too harsh on ourselves like we should no. successes even if it's like little steps and we sometimes expect things to go quicker than we think or like too much but I think it's important to really honor ourselves and improve one percent every day or something yeah definitely oh yeah it's that, it's that incremental thing isn't it as well if I do this today and I keep doing it and do a little bit more yeah absolutely exactly yeah. yeah thank you so much for the conversation that was amazing thank you very much that was great I really hope that you enjoyed this episode with Jenny. I definitely did. And I learned a lot from her. Very inspiring story. I'm excited to work with her in the future and to get her finally paid for her writing. So if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please rate it and share it and reach out if you have any questions. Thank you.